Welcome to the Decipher Podcast. My guest today is John Hammond from Huntress Labs, and we're going to talk about the only thing that anyone is talking about today, the succession finale, or well, actually, no, the, the Log4j vulnerability. Uh, John, we're recording this on Monday afternoon. Um, how was your weekend? It's good. <laughs> Well, hey there, Dennis. Thanks so much for for having me with you. Yeah, you know, uh, I'm keeping my head above water. Uh, A couple sleepless nights, a bit of a long weekend, but, you know, we're making it through. We are uh, doing the best we can to stay in the trenches and fighting fires on this thing. Yeah, it's, you know, these things always seem to happen on Fridays for some reason. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like you can almost kind of predict it. Uh, you know, the, the holidays are coming. It's like a kind of a quiet Friday. And then you look at Twitter and you're like, Oh no, Oh God, everything's on fire. And, and it's like, I I'll admit, I don't think I'd ever heard of this library before. Or if I had, it was, you know, just in passing, you know, reading some documentation or something. You look at it and you're like, okay, well, how bad could this be? And then I just started reading through all the technical reports and I was like, Oh, this is everywhere. This is literally everywhere. Yeah. So what was your what was your initial reaction when you read the advisory and kind of the the creeping dread dawned on you? Oh, <laughs> or did I just no? It's it? it's been so long, you know. <laughs> it feels like it's been so long. Uh, yeah. So. You you hit the nail on the head in that this uh, this log four J package is just ubiquitous. Uh, it's everywhere, uh, and it's so it's a Java logging package and application if folks for whatever reason aren't for aren't familiar uh and that means that okay whenever an application whenever a program whenever software tries to keep record of any sort of activity or what happens when a user interacts or engages with the program it 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 logs it it keeps note of it the gimmick is that this log4j library added some extra functionality it now the bug and vulnerability that we're all screaming about running around like chickens with their head cut off is that this will parse and take action upon the data presented in that log file in the entry and the input supplied. Uh, That means, hey, it could reach out and actually execute code. It could call out to an external computer or device host that's serving a malicious payload and grants a bad actor or threat actor an adversary remote code execution so they could detonate and run really whatever they'd like uh honestly that opens the door it's initial access right and command and control but that could then lead to privilege escalation post-exploitation exfiltration persistence lateral movement anything yeah have you um I mean, the way that I understand it, this is exploitable with just like one line of code. There's not a whole lot to it. Is, is that the case? That is absolutely correct. Uh, so I, I've tried to scream and shout about this, try to raise education awareness the best I can. Uh, I have uh, kind of a video demonstration. I, I have a walkthrough and, and kind of a video up on, up on my own YouTube channel, as cheesy as it sounds. But it showcases how this is so easily exploited in Minecraft, <laughs> the, the mm-hmm. silly kids game, right? Uh and that's, I think, where this started to blow up and a lot of kind of reaction are surrounding that. But it's not the kiddie pool of, of Minecraft, right? It's uh, Steam is in the mix. 
there's anecdotal evidence. Okay, we've seen Tesla, we've seen Twitter, we've seen LinkedIn, we've seen uh, Apache products, technologies, yeah. Apache Solar, Apache Droid, uh, Elasticstack, Logstash, Redis, the list goes on and on. Um, and Truthfully, it's very hard to validate and verify uh, what is vulnerable and where because this package, this logging functionality could be baked in to any aspect of a program. Uh, and that's what's so sinister about this vulnerability and that, yeah, sure, it's a, it's a zero day, but it's <laughs> other security researchers have likened this to like a cluster bomb of zero days. Yeah. Like it's so many different applications uh, and the hard part is detecting where. And you can't just go off the file names or, hey, we see the presence of log4j, uh, the class files, the jar files, because th that has its own false positives and false negatives, right? And the, hey, it, the version might not be correct. It might not be used in some fragment of the program and application you're looking at. Really, the best way to know is what I'm looking at vulnerable is to try a payload and see if you can see the connection, see the callback. Uh, dangerous. Yeah. That that's a tough situation because there's so many, and, and I've been you know just kind of uh, today digging in and looking at a lot of the security vendors and just you know technology vendors in general and looking at their sites to see what the updates are and that kind of stuff. And you can almost see it, like in real time people saying no, you know, right now we don't think that this product is vulnerable, and then update 45 minutes later, yeah. it's vulnerable. You know, like there's it's that kind of thing that you just described, John, where people are kind of like they don't necessarily know if that if that package is in there or if it's the vulnerable version. I think folks have, have again, likened this to sort of shell shock, another yeah. vulnerability with an absolutely massive, ginormous attack surface uh, and is not dead. You know, it, it's not gone the wayside. And I think uh, this log4j vulnerability, while we're screaming about this and kind of a, on fire right now, we're at the very, very front of this. Uh, we, we'll see this continue for this week, uh, potentially next month, months following that, maybe years. Truthfully, I don't know. There's a very real possibility that software packages and, and code that isn't maintained anymore, legacy software applications that are just dead, truth be told, yeah. they're not going to end up pushing a software patch of remediation. Uh, and while we and users or system administrators, IT practitioners, et cetera, sure, we could try and update. We could patch and things update to the latest version of Log4j. Uh, I believe it's 1.250 RC2. Uh, <laughs> speaking that off, off the top of the tongue, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but we could make those changes the best we can. However, the software and vulnerabilities or the applications that are provided by vendors or other providers, we're kind of sitting on our hands waiting for them to push these updates downstream. Uh, and I don't know how long that will take. Truthfully, there's no way to know. Yeah. And I, I also wonder about, you know, the whole open source ecosystem too, because, it, you know, you mentioned there's there's probably some dead applications out there that aren't maintained anymore. Or there's the other side of that coin where there's all these open source uh, projects that are maintained, but it's one person or two people right? and they may not like having the wherewithal to be able to do this and get a patch out quickly may not be, they, they probably have day jobs. They probably have other stuff to do. Oh, absolutely. And, and that's why we are shouting about this thing, right? That's why yeah. we're making a big stink of it because it is such a big deal. Uh, but we're trying to raise awareness. We're trying to educate. We're trying to kind of hold the entire community and the industry accountable. Uh, it's tough love, right? This is absolutely a hard pill to swallow. 
but it has to get done. This is this is how we respond. This is how we recover. Yeah. Uh, I'm really glad that you mentioned sort of that open source uh, software developer perspective because if it's okay, I, I, I would like to include this little nugget um, in that log4j vulnerability. The application itself is an open source utility put together by a few of those one, two, three individuals that are creating the software uh, as volunteer work. You know, they do it as a labor of love. It's a passion. It's something that they do in their spare time and their free time while they work a day job. Uh, mm-hmm. So there, there are a couple conversations, you know, folks might be very angry and that, hey, dang, we saw Black Hat presentations on this vulnerability five years ago. The, the quote unquote, functionality was added in the software back in 2013. How did we miss this? A lot of folks are just very upset. I I do want to say that there should not be absolutely any, you know, bashing or malice or shame towards those core developers. Yeah. It's their baby. It's their work. It's their product and their passion. Um, This is just the world that we live in. And hey, now let's step up to the plate. Yeah. I mean, People make mistakes, you know, software is written by people, people make mistakes. That, that oh, kind of thing. You know, this that's not that's not news in people that always amazes me is the the kind of like, you know, immediate reaction of some people to get mad at the developer or the vendor, you know, if it's a commercial product, you're just like, Okay, I'm sorry, show me all the perfect code you've written. I, I'd like to see <laughs> that. Or, you know, all the perfect, you know, history papers you wrote in college. I'd like oh, to yeah. see those too. You know, it, like just settle down everybody. But um so in terms of the attacks that, that are ongoing, Johnny, is this, I'm going to guess without, you know, knowing for sure that this is probably spread from top to bottom in the attacker ecosystem. You know, anybody that has bad intentions is probably out there trying to take advantage of this. Yes. The short answer, right? <laughs> the the long answer is that, okay, we, we know that this attack, this exploit is trivial to pull together and, and put off. Uh, yeah. It's it's a single line of text. The syntax is sort of a dollar sign, curly braces, you know, whatever special character magic that invokes uh, JNDI or the Java naming and directory interface uh, using a specific protocol. And, it, and that JNDI API supports lots of different ones between LDAP, uh, RMI, even Cobra. Um, and I won't get too in the weeds there, but following that schema to call out on a specific protocol, it specifies another attacker hosted service or an endpoint mm-hmm. that, that the threat actor controls. And that will host and offer a payload for, okay, the next malicious stage, the next uh, real threat that will bring to that host. Now, so far, and, and I, <laughs> I got to be honest, I'm so tunnel vision. I don't even remember if I said this, so stop me if I'm repeating myself. Uh, but we're, we, <laughs> so far, we've seen cryptocurrency miners uh, okay. and botnets, Mirai, uh, Mustic, um, I think Kingsling, Kingsling might be in there. Mm-hmm. We haven't yet seen remote access Trojans. I think there are some evidence, I I believe even Microsoft has said, hey, we are seeing some Cobalt Strike beacons. Um, Again, could be used for more post-exploitation or or later damage. Uh, But we have not yet seen ransomware. I think there are some inklings in the corners and crevices of the community that have said that, again, anecdotally. Um, I haven't seen it firsthand just yet, but I dread the day when this does turn into ransomware Armageddon, right? You know, the, the ransomware apocalypse that we're slowly approaching. Uh, 
I think what we're doing right now to get out in front of it the best that we can is absolutely vital. Um, but thankfully, we haven't seen this thing be weaponized into more of a worm or something even more damning yet. The ransomware apocalypse is honestly what I expected to wake up to today. Right, like, right. Uh, just given the way that things have been going for the last you know, couple of years, the the ubiquity of this vulnerability and like it looks like a perfect opportunity for ransomware actors to make a whole bunch of money and cause a whole bunch of damage totally um do you have any thoughts on why that hasn't happened yet or is it just kind of people like getting their hands on vulnerable systems and then they'll figure out what to do with them later so I, I, I wish I could give a absolute great, fantastic answer there. Uh, truthfully, I don't know why <laughs> other than goodness. Dang. We are so fortunate that <laughs> yeah. we, we haven't seen this uh, world blow up yet. Uh, I have to think, and this might be just a guess. So forgive me kind of operating at the edge of here. Uh, when, when this application is exploited, when a vulnerable program is actually taken advantage of, you're still running in the context of, that application for, for user privileges, for hey, the rights of whatever account you may have landed as, as a threat actor. Yeah. Uh, so there is maybe potentially an element of separation there. There is a security boundary. If you have the access controls in place, hey, this program is running with least privilege, yada, yada, yada. Maybe you mm -hmm. actually landed as a web service account, whether it's for Apache Solar or Druid or others. Uh, that doesn't mean that they can immediately privilege escalation and hey, um, compromise and own this whole thing as the admin account, as root, right? They don't have their God superpowers yet. Yeah. Maybe that's a barrier of entry for some of the script kitties or, uh, hey, fellas that might just be copying and pasting, slapping some mm -hmm. code off of GitHub and, and seeing what they can blow up with this thing. I don't know. Uh, I haven't, we haven't seen, at least from that I'm aware of, any of the mother mature, absolutely sophisticated APTs up at arms yet. Yeah, I wonder if that, you know, it's probably a good bit of what you just described, maybe some dumb luck that, you know, we've needed for, for the last few months. It's nice to have some. Um, and also, I mean, those APT groups, even the ones that engage in ransomware activity, they tend to like, they don't love being noisy, right? Like they absolutely try to keep things below the radar and not draw a lot of attention to themselves. You're right. Uh, this attack by nature inherently requires that there is some other callback and connection to that external host, whether again, through LDAP, through RMI, et cetera, that on its own, it could be very well detected. It, it's tough, right? There, there are certain amount of bypasses, and actually, that might be a fine talking point. There's an <laughs> unlimited number of bypasses. How you could represent this malicious syntax, uh, but at the end of the day, it still requires an outbound connection. Uh, that's something. Hey, we could pick up on. Hey, we can use that as a key indicator to maybe break the chain in the cyber kill chain, right? Yeah, I, I did see just before we started recording. I saw. Uh, somebody had posted uh, some information on uh, it wasn't just, you know, like even the newest versions of Java that are updated against this, you can buy, you can bypass the protections in there with, with certain types of exploits. Have you seen that yet? Yes. So I, I have seen that, that exact messaging. Um, truthfully, I haven't had a chance to go validate and verify that myself. Um, but I, I had seen some screenshots and like, wow, this looks spooky. This is absolutely terrifying. Uh, but again, we, we come back to the conversation. 
I don't mean to make this whole, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to make all your podcast and I say fear mongering, fear, uncertainty, and not doubt, at all. Right? Uh, no. So patch people, <laughs> uh, run a solid antivirus, use long cut password. It sounds so stupid to say the, you know, boilerplate, know. boring security best practices. Uh, but that's the foundation that we absolutely rely on when you find some world shattering vulnerability like this, you have that backbone and that absolutely needs to be in place to better protect when we see, Hey, bypass after evasion technique, after new trick up their sleeves for each of the threat actors, it's, it's defense in depth, right? Yeah. And like you mentioned earlier, John, the, that, you know, principle of least privilege could be a good protection at, at least, you know, first layer of protection like if even if this gets exploited and they land on a on a box and they have a little bit of control but if it's a low privileged account then that's at least something absolutely yeah we we talk about layers you know in, in, in cybersecurity. when folks ask hey what should we have in our security stack i can't tell you i don't know i don't know the answer truthfully uh it varies from individual to organization but uh, it, it can't just be one single device, one silver bullet doesn't exist, uh, have layers, have that compartmentalization, separation and borders. Yeah. Um, it also, I think just right before we started recording, I saw a couple of, I think it was Cloudflare and also uh, Talos mentioned that they had seen going back after they uh, saw the initial exploit attempts and all the information, you know, over the weekend, you go back in telemetry and they had seen exploit attempts on this bug from like December 2nd. You know, so like a week or more before the initial, like the first public disclosure, which always, you know, makes me a little itchy. Yeah. So I have seen again, those same, that same chatter, um, folks had shared, Hey, you know, there's, there's a GitHub repository, uh, from some individual, not in (laughs) English human readable text, a different, different language in the representation of characters there. Uh, but it had screenshots of this exploit that had the payload running and, and showcase how this could have been done. It didn't have code. It wasn't a weaponized thing, but there's still an indicator, maybe just some breadcrumbs. Hey, the, the world knew about this just a bit before we all got in this frenzy on December 9th and 10th, uh, even days before kind of, as you alluded to December 2nd or even earlier there, some folks might've been aware of this. Uh, it just hasn't been brought to light yet. And that's why we're still making quite a stir of this. Get everyone in the know. Yeah. And you know, I, it's great that it gets this much, much attention. And, you know, in 2021, people know how to react to these things. I remember, you know, like back in the code red and slammer days when it was still like just total chaos, but at least now there's some sort of like, playbook and you know and ir teams understand how to deal with these kind of things as painful as it might be but um what do you expect the next week or you know two weeks to look like you mentioned we may be seeing this for months or you know ad infinitum but what do you expect the next couple uh steps in this process to look like so i have to be honest i think for the next couple of days, we'll, we'll still be in a little bit of red alert, you know, high octane energy fighting fires yeah. response mode, uh, tunnel vision, lack of sleep, et cetera. Mm-hmm. It, it will maybe ebb backwards. You know, the current kind of pulls back into the ocean. It'll slow down a little bit. It won't be 
as much of a frenzy and maybe, you know, time will heal all wounds <laughs> and, and eventually we'll, we'll, I don't know, come back to a strange sense of normalcy. It, it sounds so stupid to say that out loud. Uh, but I, for the moment, I think we're still detecting. I think we're still uncovering. We're still finding and spreading threat intelligence. There is an absolutely incredible outpouring of community response, uh, Folks, yeah. researchers on Twitter, over on GitHub, over everywhere, just hate adding and showcasing new detection rules, new code that you could run in PowerShell or Linux to hunt for this malicious activity in your logs. Um, I don't know. If there is a silver lining some way, somehow, uh, it goes to show, hey, we we will step up to the plate and we will respond mm-hmm. when this stuff goes on. Uh, the Huntress perspective, if that's all right for me to dive into, uh, we had, we had we had offered a tool. There's a log4shell.huntress.com um, that is acting as a like simple test uh, callback connection to see, hey, if you were to slap in this JNDI syntax, will it receive a connection? And you'll be able to verify based off of your own unique identifier. Yes, we saw the connection from an IP address at this given timestamp. Uh, and that's all. That's all the information that's given. So you have the better verification. Hey, the application I'm testing is vulnerable mm-hmm. or potentially not. Uh, but we've had the conversations. How long are we going to keep this thing up for? <laughs> when, when do yeah. we take this down? Um, but I hope that that has helped uh, a bit of the industry in, in detecting things. It, it is, and I know some folks might have a little hesitation or get a bit squeamish like oh i don't want to send this externally out across the network across the internet so we offer the source code uh for you again Mm. be able to spin it up in in your local environment if enterprises would like to be able to do that um but hopefully that offers another vessel to be able to find detect applications where this might be vulnerable uh it's it's silly to just hey copy and paste the syntax slap it into every single input box every single (laughs) username and password field literally anything an an application could take data uh but that's where we're at Um, yeah unfortunately that is it and i i realized that this morning when i i forget who it was i apologize but somebody on twitter had said you know, here are some of the places that you should test for, you know, or possibly you might find this kind of bug. And obviously it was like all the ones that we mentioned earlier, but then as you just said, username and password fields, this, you know, email, all this kind of stuff. And you're like, oh shit, all of those too. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's just like literally every input box, as you just mentioned, which is, you know, makes things even more scary. Not that we needed that, but <laughs> um, yeah, I, I do like to as tough as it is when these things happen, the community response that you mentioned, John is, is always kind of heartening to see because you see people putting out free tools, you know, sharing detection rules, sharing all this kind of information or, you know, where to look for this, where to look for that, um, you know, running lists of, you know, I saw gray noise, I think was the first one, like Thursday night, Friday morning, like here's all the IPs we're seeing that are trying to exploit this. Here's all this free stuff for you. And that kind of stuff is always nice to see because, you know, it should be that way, but it's not, always that way you know yeah absolutely so everybody's trying to make money but it's always nice to see people like sharing stuff for free you know (laughs) speaking of which i know i gotta let you go because you have to go do stuff but um where can people find the uh youtube video that you mentioned earlier where you do the walkthrough 
Oh, excellent. So yeah, if it's totally okay, and I don't mind me being a shill and a sellout, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, Do so, it. So huntress.com slash blog is where we have our own write-up uh, and showcase of, of our analysis and our findings for log4shell, this vulnerability and this exploit. Um, alongside that, you have the log4shell.huntress.com link, which is, again, that open source, free, accessible uh, detection utility that you could use uh, out with the cloud perspective or spin yep. it up locally as needed. Really hope that helps some individuals and folks. Uh, if folks would like to get in the weeds and understanding more of this vulnerability, uh, my personal YouTube channel, it's just my name, uh, John Hammond. Uh, there's a video showcasing, hey, this vulnerability exploiting Minecraft uh, as one example. That I, I'm using that as a vessel to kind of bridge the gap for audiences <laughs> that might not be as familiar with cybersecurity. Uh, it is a great opportunity to get people aware, hey, this affects everything yeah. and really you that applications you use on a day-to-day -day basis perhaps uh, one last notion i i had created a hands-on exercise and lab environment uh if folks are familiar with the tryhackme.com online cyber range and war game mm -hmm. uh, i had created a, a practical lab where folks could take advantage or explore this this vulnerability cve 2021 uh, 44228 uh, the discovery of the vulnerability, the uh, proof of concept technique, the exploitation, and then more importantly, the detection bypass it, eventual managers, um, detection, excuse me, uh, prevention, et cetera, uh, and yeah. all of that patching mitigation work. I hope that brings to light some good effort in, in the way that we're all doing this. The reason we're all doing this is to make the security landscape better to improve security. Uh, yep. So I hope those are some resources folks might be willing to check out. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, John. And thanks for all your work trying to help people out. And thanks for your time uh, getting us some, some knowledge on this today. I appreciate it, man. Thank you, Dennis. Take care. All right, man. Take care. While you were hacking the planet.